Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, the three of us from the editorial team at Hotel Analyst gather around the desk of insight to share our comments and thoughts on three stories from the previous week that have caught our eye and indeed our imagination. This week, there are three of us once more. Andrew, our editorial director, has returned from his trip to Japan, where apparently the weather was bracing. Um, <laughs> I'm also joined by Catherine Doggrell, our perspectives editor, and I am Chris Bound, the web editor. And the first topic we're going to talk about this week is a study that the UNWTO, the United Nations World Tourism Organization, has done looking at how different authorities around the world are coping with the challenges thrown up by the sharing economy and dealing with informal accommodations such as that offered by sites like Airbnb. Um, they've looked at 21 different uh, state case studies around the world and compared and contrasted the approaches taken. So Catherine, you've had a bit more of a look. What are they? the learnings from this? Uh, yes, so you can always rely on the UNWTO to get out there and get a survey done. They love a bit of that. And um, and this is particularly interesting because they have drawn together, as Chris said, 21 um, different areas to see what everyone's doing. And you'll all be shocked to learn that what everyone's doing mostly is taxing. And um, what everyone is doing not so mostly is things like planning and sustainability. So uh, so once again, all these hard-pressed, certainly in the UK, all these hard-pressed local governments are thinking, where are we going to get some money from? And they look at Airbnb and think, that's perfect. Um, and what they do with the money isn't clear or hasn't become clear. It doesn't look as though anything so far has been kind of ploughed back into maybe dealing with some of the issues that may come with tourism, not necessarily Airbnb. We're not going to be tarring it with too many brushes. There's fault on everyone's side. Um, but yes, it's a big thing and we're approaching it with tax. Possibly also not the most nuanced tax that anyone's ever come across. And of course, Airbnb, when they announced they were having their IPO, were very quick to leap out and assuage the fears of anyone who might consider investing in it um, by saying, well, look at San Francisco. They did loads of taxing and things there and we've grown immensely. Give us all your money. Or worse that effect. While I was in Japan, I had something of an epiphany. Um, so I had booked a guest house um, in Kamakura, which is a nice little suburb about an hour from central Tokyo by Japanese trains, um, probably three hours by British trains. Um, the uh, It looked great and the host the owner of the property um, a funky chap who fancied himself as a samurai and indeed used to what well, did dress up as a samurai um, to serve you breakfast was this um, mentioned in the listing uh, uh, there were pictures and oh, there were okay. some reports does this count as accommodation it. or an experience <clears throat> well a bit of both and this is oh. you know it's all about the experiential economy after yeah. all um, but but the epiphany was this, that um, I was there, and um, I was there principally for the rugby, and as rugby fans will know, the England-France match got cancelled, and it got cancelled because... Japan um, was about to endure the worst hurricane, not a typhoon rather. I'm not quite sure the difference between a hurricane and a typhoon is, but in typhoon, my mind, the one is wetter. This one was quite wet um, and quite windy, windy and wet. Um, but anyway, th so this typhoon was headed headed Japan's way, and they cancelled the rugby. And I was staying in what effectively was a wooden shack. 
um <laughs> or for my experience in, in on this coastal so on the coast in a wooden shack Full not the greatest combination <laughs> when a, the worst typhoon in about three decades is heading your way and what did my brave samurai warrior do um, well, he buggered off on a sword-making course um, and left me and my 12-year-old son in this shack. Um, the other two rooms in the guest house um, uh, uh, had been rented out to Japanese people and they sensibly didn't turn up. So there was just the two of us there and absolutely wondering what was going to be going on and what was happening. Fortunately, some um, Korean lady happened to be walking past. Um, although she didn't speak any English, and my Korean and or Japanese is virtually non-existent, um, we managed to get taken to the local typhoon shelter where we where we hid for 12 hours while the, the typhoon blew over. Um, fortunately, it wasn't too bad in that area and the shack was still standing with um, our stuff inside it. But my epiphany was this, in terms of the, 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 just how bad um, an experience is going to be unless you have a professional person running it and looking after you and it and it, i find it the equivalent now they always say that there's a standing joke how do you um, get a conservative you find a liberal and mug him and there is an element of this that i feel this is my mugging when it comes to the sharing economy um and i, I and i feel actually this regulatory piece is a coming and it is going to sort them out um Oh, so you're saying that is sort them out in a in a sinister way, not in a I'm going to get all the jokers to the top of the pack way. No, so, no, uh, they're, they're going to get it, sorted out. It, uh, it, um, how they will be sorted out is that their business models are not going to stand up to it in most cases. I would argue. Now, there's a there's a few problems here. Now, let's go into some of the the numbers which we've got. So, Airbnb. Um, is at least EBITDA positive that that's what it's claiming we will see the actual numbers when they come out but uh, there's a number of challenges Airbnb has now there's a Wall Street Journal article this August which looked at um, um, the growth rate of Airbnb which looks very good growth rates in these so-called unicorns um, often have to be good to justify the crazy valuations but the latest funding was 38 billion um, the latest valuation um, for the for Airbnb on its latest funding was 38 billion I just can't see how that is anywhere near the mark um, of the real value of this business is significantly lower in my view um, uh, the weaknesses are it's spending actually quite a significant sum on marketing you're going to say um, shitloads yeah, it nearly did. Um, um, <laughs> this is a family podcast-ish, um, and um, the close to two billion is the, or, or perhaps even over two billion a year, which is getting on for what the likes of Booking is spending, what the likes of Expedia is spending. But the problem for Airbnb is it has much higher costs in servicing the tail end type properties it is doing such as my guest house which although i booked it on um, expedia um uh, airbnb primarily comprises things like my japanese guest house uh, expedia doesn't it has substantial hotel properties which are more 
economic to service and more profitable to service so they can get away with spending the five billion us on marketing and still make money i don't think airbnb can and i think it's going to be a challenge for it um, and in terms of this regulation piece that's coming the way so the unwto report which you're talking of Catherine, in, in your article, um, they they indeed do highlight the tax. Yep, that that's and Airbnb have been happy to accede to that. But the regulatory bit is 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 the sustainability and planning, and that's what's really going to catch them out. And that's where there's some real um, danger for the model. And I, I, one thing I like about the UNWTO, they don't call them the the, the sharing economy. They talk about platform tourism services, and I think that is very well, much as does as does airbnb itself uh, refers to itself as a technology company and i think one of the interesting aspects as to what as to the valuation um that's been pointed out to me anyway is all the data that they've been consuming over the years and uh, that's, how much that's, that's the same worth. cod swallop that you had from <laughs> we work isn't it it's nonsense oh, no, that's a- <laughs> it's nonsense it isn't it just how how data, have they got better da- how have they got better data than expedia how have they got better data than um booking it's nonsense i'm not necessarily uh, saying they've got better data i'm saying they've got a stack of data People want that. What they know, Airbnb knows where I've been to stay for the last five years. But then, how do you value? How do you value Airbnb at twice Expedia's market cap? You can't. I can't can't argue with that. No, you can't. (laughs) You can't value it at that ludicrous level. It's a bonkers valuation. And you know, I I think we're heading for dot com bust two point zero. You know, the this whole sharing economy piece in terms of the dot coms and the unicorns are heading into the sand. And that's my prediction for for 2020 and you know it, it you know I, I i think there's going to be a major major correction on this we've already seen it with we work and i think the wheels are going to come off um, most of this stuff um over the next year or so so what do we need do we need um it to be shut down through regulation or do we need a big event a big fire or something like that no i think i think think it's already turned i think the sentiment has turned Uh, now airbnb may be able to list so but it won't ipo it doesn't need to ipo actually so to ipo to raise you know the uipo to raise money but it can yeah, just they're not, seek they're not raising money no they? th- exactly that they've got enough cash in the bank um unlike say we work which hasn't got enough cash in the bank um and it could well survive but it's going to survive in a, in a in a much shrunken shriveled form to it currently currently has and i suspect the, the likes of expedia and booking holdings are going to hang on i think for, for what it's worth i think booking seems um, overvalued too i think that's due a shrinking i think it, it's struggling for growth now um xpeed has gone through that and i think it's got much more of a full service agency model and looks much more sustainable business for the longer term um so uh, you know in, in terms of this so we've seen uber having um a car crash um yeah. we see we're seeing the collapse of we work um and i think airbnb of the triumvirate there i think um is probably the, the most robust business model but it's still going to have problems right 
Now then, you wait ages for interesting things to come along <laughs> from UNWTO and to arrive at once. And so uh, the the second item that has inspired our, our chat this week is that the UNWTO has arranged a deal with the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. And the pair of them together are going to drive sustainable and inclusive tourism. Catherine, what is that? Or what do they think it well, is? What do they think it is? Well, they think that they should encourage other people to do it, uh, which, of course, is the point of the UNWTO, uh, is to encourage other people to think right, right thoughts about these things. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to facilitate investments and, and generally encourage uh, all these uh, local authorities who are thinking about taxing the whatever out of Airbnb to think of, think of better things and think about how to be more sustainable and policy, 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 um, which, is, which is all to the good and hooray for the UNWTO yet again. Um, but this came out... Um, well, it came out at a, at a critical time for thinking about the climate blowing up, uh, particularly if you were travelling on the London Tube and you found members of Extinction Rebellion <laughs> gluing themselves to your... your or indeed your, your, your airliner at <laughs> London City Airport. Yes, you were, people gluing themselves to things in a constant fashion like so many of those. Oh, those big, uh, the frogs with the big tongues where you can like snatch flies out of the air. My mind, very most similar to that. Um, but for the planet. Um, so... so Good news for frogs, bad news for people using public transport for some reason. Um, and, uh, and into all that as well came the Committee on Climate Change with a report saying that flying is bad and we should do less of it, ladies and gentlemen. So yes, they had a more, a more nuanced argument as to how to stop us flying all around the place. Um, and that was to pick on all the people who fly frequently, which will be, if I was to just do a straw poll of everyone listening to this podcast, 100% of those people, you all fly too much, you know it, and uh, and you should stop doing it, otherwise the climate will, whatever, bad things, frogs. Um, so yes, 15% of people in, in the UK, this was responsible for 70% of flights. How are they going to stop this? Largely by making you feel bad. Um, making you feel bad uh, has been linked to issues with the Thomas Cook collapse. Um, apparently lots of people from the Nordics, according to one of my sources, felt bad with flight shaming and didn't fly so much. Um, that's fine if you're in the Nordics, they've got them nice fields. Fleek the scam. That's the Fleek one. Fleek scam. Uh, yes. So you've got other places to go if you're in the Nordics. You don't have to necessarily jet off to the sun. Who needs the sun when you can, you know, hide from it for 90% of the year and drink vodka? But um, Thomas Cook to, went wrong because it was over leveraged and badly yes, run. It went wrong a bit, but it didn't help that everyone suddenly had a, a fit of the, of the guilts. And which, to go back to Airbnb, is something that's been mooted around that as well. Um, but while well, it continues to be cheap, I think that's probably irrelevant. Um, but there's the, the whole moral, anyway, it's, it's just not there to be had. But um, anyway, one of the ways in which this particular report suggested um, discouraging everyone who's listening to this from flying is to uh, get rid of frequent flyer programs because, of course, we're all there for the frequent flyer miles, obviously, we wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> so, yes, don't do that, kids. Um, but there's no problem without a great solution, and they suggested teleconferencing. Um, anyone who was around post-9-11 will remember that shares in teleconferencing companies went absolutely crazy because they were like, oh, that's fine, people won't travel. Uh, um, and it they'll teleconference instead. And of course, that didn't happen at all because that's insane and that's not how you do deals by teleconferencing It was a we work business model, yeah. Um, it's nonsense, um, but, but I mean, what isn't nonsense is climate change. It's a real no, thing. No, it's and, a thing. And it is being taken increasingly seriously by investors. And if you don't have a good grip on ESG, the environmental, social and governance, don't call it corporate social responsibility, you are out of date. It's a, it's um, a corporate 
Yes, you, you need no. Um, um, you don't call it that. Um, ESG. That's that's the thing that people are looking at, and um, investors are looking at it. And there are um, increasingly sensible ways of measuring a company's ESG performance, um, and, and it needs to be taken seriously. And you know, you, you've got people. Um, like Michael Bloomberg, um, um, who, who is chairing a body called the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. Ooh, it um, sounds like it comes with a natty yes, hat. Yes, indeed. Um, but stuff like this, I think, is it, 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 you have to be aware of, and um, you have to be be doing sensible things around it. Now, when it comes to one of the things that always drives me bonkers um, when it comes to talking about tourism is people just lump tourism and corporate travel into the same basket and it's completely different I mean so these frequent flyers most of them are corporate travelers they're road warriors who are jumping on planes now I mean are you seriously saying you're going to tax them to high heaven to stop them traveling so effectively you're going to stop business you're going to stop trade i mean it, it's you know far worse than us leaving the eu this is the, it, it, it'd be an utter disaster you're not going to be able to do business if you can't travel um and i, I think there is a, a a real confusion over this um, people think it's a discretionary thing and bodies such as the world tourism organization are very badly named because um that bit the most important bit corporate travel the biggest bit isn't recognized in their title and i think we need more sensibly named organizations to step up and say look corporate travel is super important um, it's the biggest generator of hotel profits it's a thing that matters and it's the thing that's going to get clobbered by some of these bonkers ideas which are coming out i mean you mentioned one there on frequent flyer programs i mean the, the labor party in the uk is coming up with equally bonkers stuff about taxing people who fly more than a couple of times a year to high heaven to, to prevent them flying i.e it's going to cancel trade so there they are talking about the destruction of jobs thanks to brexit and they're going to destroy 10 times as many through through disabling any sort of commerce international commerce it, it's madness and I, th I think people need to calm down about this and we, we've we're getting to the point in this it's a bit like brexit where you've got two extremist wings the complete europhiles who who just want to see united states of europe and the absolute brexiteer nutters who who talk about having to independence and all the rest of it when the vast bulk of people just daren't put their heads above the parapet and say look let, let's keep calm that you know the world is not about to end and people aren't going to keel over and die um, in their millions as a result of climate change it's a big challenge it needs to be tackled but it needs to be tackled in a sensible rational way that doesn't take us back to the economic stone age um, unfortunately that is not the debate that's being conducted we have lunatics who say we need to give up everything and, and other lunatics who say nothing at all is happening and it's all you know people like donald trump who claims it's all made up um well, i think one anyway. of the most interesting things about about the climate change debate is um a that i discovered from from watching some coverage of people from extinction rebellion and you know more power to their elbow and all the rest of it um but they did say when Not asked at all. They're loonies. <laughs> they did say loonies. when asked 
Um, so, so some enterprising reporter said, so, you know, do you not travel and you probably cycle everywhere and you eat meat? And they were like, no, it's not about personal choice. It's about the state. And I felt really bad then because I do really a lot of recycling, let me tell you. And here in Paris, you can even recycle your Nespresso pods just by flinging them in the bin. So, uh, but no, apparently everything I was doing was wrong. But, um, but as far as the technology goes, it's been, I think, widely established amongst the scientists that the science required to deal with climate change is all there. It's all present. It just needs to be done more of. So we can have aeroplanes that don't pollute well, so well, that is Bill We can Gates, have all of these things. It that just, is Bill, Bill Gates' point. It needs to be, we need to have investment actually in the new technologies, but actually you need a functioning economy to enable that investment of to course. happen. And if we adopt Extinction Rebellion policies, we won't have a functioning economy. So we won't do that. We just go back to the Stone Age. Results season and uh, the quarterly results are coming through from the big hotel groups and we're going to kick off by having a quick run through of what Accor had to tell us about their most recent quarter which uh, Sebastian Badan described as solid, a solid performance. What were the good bits and what were the kind of squishier bits? Um, yes, so the, the good bits, they were very perky about their pipeline growth, um, expansion fun, they were happy about fees, they were all about, oh, isn't it wonderful that we've all gone asset light. Though, of course, it's not really, well, it is asset light with Accor, but it's not asset light like the other um, operators because they're very management focused. Um, they narrowed their um, EBITDA range, um, but largely because of China, um, of which we will hear more next week from IHG's results. Um, where things were, were less perky. Um, RevPAR was up. It was all fun. Um, yeah, fun times at Accor, really. And they're selling off all this. They don't want to talk about what they're going to spend the money on. So um, I'm hoping something interesting like a third-party operator. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> minor downgrade on the, the range. In Morgan Stanley said that effectively, if you take the midpoint, it was a 0.6% yes. downgrade. So, Nothing to get uh, worried about. No. Um, the, the top-line numbers did look a bit more gruesome but um, it shows the resilience of the ACOR business model that the impact on the profitability is, is so limited. Um, there was other good news in there in terms of the things that had been worrying um, shareholders um, the new business lines the D-Edge, Gecko, Very Chic. Um, now ACOR is maintaining that this, this, this area is going to be breaking even by the year end. Um, it's written down as we've already said one fine stay in john paul um and that that bit of Accor's venturing out into new stuff um seems to be under control once again which is good news i don't think they'll be making any more sort of dabbles in spending like that um i i think if we look at the future for it i i suspect Accor, um, you know, a few years ago it was adamant it was going to stick with leases, it binned leases. It's now trying to say we've got a, you know, a moat around us because we're keen on management. I reckon that moat will go quite soon and they'll be pushing the franchising model as well. And will they be doing that by buying a third party operator? Absolutely not. Why would they do that? They could have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> no, I mean, A, they'd end up with brands of other companies, which would be, just be bonkers. And B, what you're doing is you, you dilute the length of your contracts. So most of the third party operators are very short term contracts, and that would very negatively impact um, the the. the, the profile of Ackles contracts if you if they inherited a whole load of shorter term ones well, so that's just the way make, the time's going doesn't know well it may be but they don't want to accelerate it um certainly not um so that that would be a very 
foolish thing to do. I don't foolish see or forward thinking? In what way would it be forward thinking? Are getting there first. Wow, <laughs> getting there first for what? I mean, they're already <laughs> managers, aren't they? So I don't, I, you know, and as, uh, my point is, I think they're going to increasingly not want to be a manager. I think increasingly they'll switch into the franchise model, which is asset, which is even more asset light um, and delivers better um, return on capital employed. So that 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 would be my expectation of where Ackle's going to shift. Um, that would not. allow them to fit more seamlessly in with Marriott, it's true. <laughs> yes, well, I think Marriott's too busy digesting um, elegant hotels. and what's They've bought the, d- bought the W. Oh, the so, W. In Union Square. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of which more soon. Um, but for now, uh, thank you very much for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>